Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. Of course, on Palm Sunday, it is the traditional reading of the triumphal entry of Christ. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on it which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. As I mentioned, of course, this is Palm Sunday today, a day that Christians around the world celebrate the entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. This is the final week of Christ's earthly life. And the disciples know something is up. Because for the past three years, they've been with Christ. They've been following Him. They've been walking with Him around the country. A few times they would get onto a boat to cross the sea. But never had Jesus ridden a donkey. And no doubt they think back to some of the teachings of Christ and they think back to some of the teachings of the prophets. And no doubt they remember the account of Solomon's inauguration when he became king. We read in this in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 33, we see King David telling his advisors to have his son Solomon ride on his mule to the local spring where the high priest and the prophet will anoint him king. So no doubt the disciples think back to this event that happened many years ago. But beyond this, they think also to the many messianic prophecies that are regarding the king and his inauguration. And the disciples, the people there following Jesus, 
see now their Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they become overwhelmed. Here they have what they've been looking for. They have their king who will conquer the holy city and rule over the Romans forever. The crowd starts to sing and shout and praise God. We need to remember that this is Passover. And this is a a, a spiritually charged event for them. People from all over the country came to Jerusalem at this time to celebrate and to worship. But this time was different. They came and they saw their king ready to take his throne and rule over his kingdom. Or so they thought. See, they saw what they wanted to see. They were tired of Roman control. They were tired of being oppressed by the Romans. They wanted to be a free nation again. They still felt like their their ancestors whenever they were captive in, in Egypt. They felt like they were in captivity under the Romans. They wanted their king, they wanted him now, and they wanted him to rule over Rome. They wanted them to conquer the Romans. And as Jesus climbs the Mount of Olives, the people are singing and shouting praise to him. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they were laying down their coats, their clothes, their cloaks, and palm branches for him to ride over. And no doubt they were waving the palm branches as well. They were truly prepared to make him king. But if you remember, about a year before this happened, they wanted to make him king then too, when he fed them when he fed the 5,000. They wanted to make him king then. But now they know it's going to happen. The people have been looking and waiting for a king, and here they have the best candidate ever. He could provide for their physical needs. He can heal them. He can feed them. He can watch over them. He can protect them. He can also provide for their spiritual needs. He teaches them. And when they saw him on that donkey, they knew this was it. They knew this was the king. And as Jesus approaches the top of the mountain, the crowd is at its loudest, shouting and singing praises to him. Once he gets to the top of the mountain, you can look down into Jerusalem and you can see the temple. No doubt the priests were at the temple and they heard this commotion as they looked up the mountain. And what do they see? They see probably their worst nightmare. They see Jesus with the support of His people singing praises to the King, riding on a donkey 
like a king at his inauguration. And Jesus is acting like the king. The priests, no doubt, panic. Because they understand what's happening. They understand the implications of Jesus' actions. They understand the praises of the crowd. In the final portion of our scripture this morning, we see the priests demanding that Jesus stop the crowd from doing this. And Jesus replies, their praise is accurate and inevitable. The battle lines are now drawn. So no doubt now we have the the priests are surprised, they're worried, and they're angry at what is happening. But it would also worry the Romans as well. Since this was a big festival, this was a big to-do, the Roman military was there with extra forces to keep the crowd under control. And they too were standing there watching this parade. And they were probably ignorant of the prophecies and really didn't know or care much about this man named Jesus. They just didn't want any trouble. So they were probably wondering what's going down here? What's going to happen? And we have the crowds. The crowds of people that seem to continue to grow as Jesus marches on. But yet they too were ignorant of this event. They didn't know what they were doing. And even the disciples that had been with Jesus since the beginning didn't fully understand what was happening until later on. And today we often say Jesus came to be a spiritual ruler, not a political ruler. And we often accuse the, the Jewish people as only wanting a political ruler, as only wanting being free from the Roman oppression. And those are true to some extent. Jesus was certainly a a spiritual ruler, but he was a political ruler as well, and is today. See, the, the church of Christ is more than just a spiritual, religious organization or institution. This is true today as it was true from the beginning. Many times in the book of Acts we see the disciples of Christ, the followers of Christ come before spiritual leaders and political leaders. And they were beaten and they were executed for their beliefs, for standing up for what is right in God's eyes. The church should create social, and political tension. There's no doubt about it. And maybe it doesn't cause so much of a stir here in the United States, but in other countries like India, where there's still a caste system, whereas the upper class people and the lower class people do not associate. The lower class people are not allowed to talk to the upper class people. But yet... When the body of Christ comes together, there are no upper class people. There are no lower class people. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is the political 
tension that is created by Christ. And the issue is, how does the church operate in this social realm, in the political realm? Because Christ didn't come to set up a physical kingdom. He came to set up a kingdom in the hearts of His believers, of His followers. And our agendas are carried out with love for others and are based on the truth of God's Word. We don't come with our muscles bulging and our fists flying to get our way, demanding this or demanding that. We accomplish our goals with love. We accomplish them with the cross of Christ. We roll with our love for each other. And we are to bring all types of people together. We break down those socioeconomic barriers so that we may all become one with each other and one with Christ. That is one of the things with the United Methodist Church is the fact that we have an open communion table. You don't have to be a member of this church You don't have to be a United Methodist. You just simply need to be a follower of Christ and receive Him into your heart to participate in the Lord's Supper. Other churches do not have that. Maybe you have to be a member of church, of that particular church, or of that particular organization, whatever it might be, in order to receive communion. And I've even seen and and heard of stories of the minister refusing to allow people to participate. No one has the right to refuse to allow people to come to Christ. Our mission is to be out in the world and bring people to Christ, to tell them about Christ. So we we roll with love. We bring people together and break down those barriers so that we can be one with Christ. Sadly, by the end of the week, the people had rejected their king. They rejected the things that Jesus stood for. They rejected God's offer of salvation. They rejected God Himself. How about your life? Did you reject the things that Jesus stood for? He stood for love, peace, joy, righteousness, truth. While you may not outright reject those ideas, do you take them to the next level? Do you live for those things? Do you display those attitudes and attributes in your life? Do you reach out to others? Especially if they're different from you. Especially if they're not on the same social level or the same political wavelength as you. Do you reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? That is the question. That is what we're called to do. Christ will return again 
one day. And he'll judge those who have rejected him. And not only those who have rejected him, but those who have rejected his ways. And I find it unbelievable and saddening that so many people do call themselves Christians and call themselves followers of Christ, but yet reject the ways of Christ. They don't live by the ways of Christ. They don't practice love, joy, peace, righteousness, truth, and so on. How can you reject His ideas and not live His ways without rejecting Him? So those people too will be judged. Christ rules today. He set up His kingdom in the hearts of His believers. The question is, is He ruling your heart? When He returns again, He will indeed rule over you one way or the other. So you better make sure you know what side you're on. As I've said before, many will cry out to Him in that day, Lord, Lord, we have done many things in Your name. But Jesus will say to them, Depart from Me, for I never knew You. Those are words that you do not want to hear. Think about that this Holy Week as you take time to rediscover Christ in your life. Let's close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for our time in Your Word this morning. We thank You for the lessons that You have taught us. We thank You for being our ruler. Help us to more fully understand the things that You want from us. And help us to focus on You this Holy Week. And help us to carry out Your will for our lives. Taking the name of Jesus wherever we go. We ask that You would call all sinners to repentance and come to You. So that in that day of judgment, they will not be cast out. We ask this in Your Son's precious name who lives and reigns with you now and forever. Amen.